Welcome, Seekers of Truth, coming to you from the edge of the known universe, better known as the Granite State, home of Betty and Barney Hill. Through the magic of electronic alchemy, a portal to another dimension has opened. You are about to make a metaphysical connection. This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. Secret trips to Antarctica, advanced Nazi technology, ancient civilizations, and remembering Art Bell. Jim Loretta joins us during his break from his peyote harvest to share all of this with Walt Schnabel and I, Eric Renner King Fisk. All this and more on the Metaphysical Connection, episode 80. Stay tuned. Hold on, hold on, Jim. Oh, there uh, he is. Prepare the peyote plants. I'll be back. All right, I'm, here I am, guys. <laughs> He's arrived. All right. <laughs> back, back from the desert void. The desert void. Absolutely. What a crappy. Having trouble, having trouble finding the portal, Jim? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Skype did not want to work today. I don't know what uh, the hell's up with that. Well, we're up now, so that's does all what, that matters. Does what it does. Yeah. That's does it. it that's all that yeah. matters. So, yeah, really. So I was closing windows, and I was I was clicking all sorts of stuff. And I was clicking like a fiend, and you're calling me, and Jim, and and uh, Walt's calling me, and I'm just like, Calgon, take me away. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, what do you what are you up to, man? What do you have going? Oh God, I I, I can't bore you or guys. Or shouldn't we ask? I you I already can't asked. Bore you guys with the long version. The short version is uh my two grand boys, two and a half and eight months moved in with their parents and the big dog and I'm behind one whole month on building my bedroom addition because of rain and because of the inspector schedule so it's a little cramped right now and I'm, I'm like constantly busy gathering supplies and doing shit so that's what that's what my life is right now and it's okay, why, why, it's okay. why did they move in with you well, um, they That's weren't. A long story. They weren't making it uh, financially, and I was bleeding money helping them. And uh, so, in order to work it out, we powwowed and decided, since we all get along so well. We would combine families and uh, take the pressure off of everybody. So that's what we did. And it's, it's working. It sounds like a great beginning of first episode of a really good sitcom. <laughs> Jim's family. <laughs> well, I, I'm enjoying it because I really love the grand boys. So I, I get to be Papa and I get to like watch them grow up and be part of their lives. So it's good. That's it's fine. Do you remember, do you remember the, scat, the Saturday Night Live skit with John Bellucci, the thing that wouldn't leave? <laughs> <laughs> Just, just thought I'd throw that in as a Thanks, as a count, as a counterpoint. Oh. Thanks, I needed that. <laughs> so, Bob, what do you have for us in the paranormal? In the the realm of the paranormal, anything? I'll tell you, I have one anything cool. Yeah, I have I have a couple interesting things. Uh, the first one is, and I don't, I never understand why the powers to be immediately like slam the door shut in everybody's face, but. Uh, 
there uh, a number of people witnessed the floating city uh, over New York City Harbor back in 1995. It wasn't the information wasn't posted until 99, and a number of people uh, saw it. And 911 was called, and uh, all kinds of uh, agencies were contacted. And uh, the the person that wrote the article said within 24 hours, doors started slamming in their faces to try to get any authentication or get any more information. The authorities just, you know, just started like shutting it down, not answering any questions and then um, <clears throat> pooping the whole thing. But uh, a, a number of people on a ferry saw it. Not to, it wasn't it wasn't an illusion. It was a it was an actual floating city. I just thought that was a nice piece of ufology. Well, what do you think that? What do you think accounts for that? What do you, what do you think that was? No, I don't know unless it's a portal and they yeah, got a got yeah. vision of something through a dimensional mm-hmm. portal or a vortex, maybe. You know, this I is, do think we're multi-dimensional. This has happened twice in China. Really? This has happened. As a matter of fact, yeah, C- city I of sky. Yep, city of skyscrapers appear in skies over China again. They actually have video of it. That and recent? um, 2017. Yeah, that's G- enough. January 2017. January 17th, 2017. Let's get it straight, Eric. So it's happened a couple, at least twice <laughs> that I know of in China. It's happened once in New York the uk it's happened quite often it's it's a it's a weird phenomenon and a lot of people are trying to say oh well it's 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 just some kind of optical illusion okay all right all right but it keeps happening it 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 does apparently because you keep looking at this and it um i think can we say that the the daily mail in the uk is that a reputable news organization I think so. Um, Huffington Post actually did a story on this as well. So I, I, I don't know what to make of this other than the fact that I want it to be real. Mm-hmm. I, will, I, I, yep. I, I totally admit it. I would, I would love to have something like this actually be real. I would love to have, have, see evidence of parallel dimensions or something weird going on. Mm-hmm. And of course, the thing is, is that you have these these jackasses who like work extra overtime trying to debunk these things yeah. that have happened. And it was right. just like, okay, you know, I, I would I would rather see everybody put you know, 110% into, um, you know, tr- trying to prove that it's real and trying to prove that it's not real is in in and of itself proving that it's real. I mean, one way or another. I mean, you put all your efforts into prove whether or not this thing actually happened or not. That's fine. But I, I don't yeah, know. There I are know. so many times I look at this and the thing is, is like these stories keep coming up over, you know, again and again, whereas you see these floating cities and stuff like this. And it was, um, and it, it's in the news and people say that they, people read board it and mm-hmm. it gets to the point where it's like with this with special effects that you can actually do in your phone it's hard to mm-hmm. determine what's real and what's fake anymore so but you know for me i say you know if it keeps happening then there's something to it uh, well i agree i agree i do um, I think it. I think it must be some kind of interface between dimensions or some kind of another reality or something that just happens for you know for a brief period of time and then well, fades away. Maybe, maybe just the right circumstances are, are in place where a portal opens for a few minutes or however long it, it is there for. Um, was 
was anybody ever able to capture the image of it? There are there is video of it and pictures. There is. Yeah. Mm. Has there yeah. ever been any kind of scientific analyzation of it or anything like that? Or I never just, saw just, anything. Just weird. I mean, it's just pretty weird. But mm-hmm. hey, you know, there's a lot of weird stuff out there. So yeah. who knows what it could be? I, I think it's just an interesting phenomenon. That Unless it's a glimpse of the future somehow, a rift in time, and you and you get a little glimpse of what's you know yeah that's far true. ahead for us. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's all speculation, but you know, you know, if enough people see it and they report on it, and enough people like push back, when they push back, it makes me suspicious that they know more than uh, they yeah. want to let yeah. out. You know, that's true. Oh, it usually happens. Did you guys see the thing I sent you on reptilians and ring the bell, Eric Anunnaki? There you go. Contact. <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was pretty involved, a long one, but I thought it was pretty interesting. Evidently. She- what I was trying to sort out was that this person uh, uh, is able to, to channel uh, meetings with, uh, with aliens, um, even back in time. And evidently, she, she talks about like meeting on a spacecraft with various types of ETs, um, um, future events that are supposed to are coming for the planet. You know how we how we how she is trying to help heal the planet, but it drains her energy. That kind of it's, I, I just thought it was interesting. You know that kind of stuff is like. A lot of people think it's woo-woo, but I mean, if you sort through it, it's, it's some of it's plausible. I think you know. Did well, you guys get it, a chance to look at it? Yeah. Is I forget the name. Is her name Adams by any chance? Uh, you know, I couldn't see a last name, Melanie, and I, I didn't get the last name. So is she? Um, is she a remote viewer? Uh, she's one of the world's uh, foremost QHHT practitioners. I don't know what that means. They didn't give me the uh, the uh, full name of the acronym. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm assuming yeah. she's a channeler or something like of that sort. It could be a remote viewer. Well, um, they okay. apparently have perhaps. Yeah, they apparently have the ability to um, look into the future and and into the past and travel okay. around the, the current you know the current time the present. I guess you could. Say, um, to go to different places and kind of, I mean, this is this is that's a big thing that the military really put a lot of money into. Well, yeah, and um, yes, absolutely, and it's, it's something just, that people don't really know much about. I don't think mm-hmm. she was abducted uh, by aliens uh, at different ages. She recalls uh, them uh, taking eggs from her ovaries. She she uh, says that a lot of her work has to do with battling darker forces uh, that are trying to uh, you know, oversee humanity, which I believe for sure there's there's ne- a lot of negativity at work with all that we see going on oh, with, yeah, you know, yeah. with banks and pollution and like you know, poisoning the environment, which I don't know why they're doing that, but you know so uh, I just thought it was interesting she well, talks I about think- reptilians and like a negative contract that was made with them a long time ago and like that kind of jives with other things that we've talked about you know that uh, power behind the throne type of thing yeah so there's there's an, there's an observation that I have made it's the strangest thing where as part of my new job I take people back and forth to and from abandoned buildings of all things people there's a lot of people who have been working in abandoned buildings around the Boston Manchester, New Hampshire, Concord. Seriously, like, what is going on in in this country? And what's going on with a lot of these abandoned buildings? Are people, like, living in them or something? There's one one long street in a city near where I live where um, it used to be a bustling hub for high-tech businesses uh, back in 2008. And a lot of those businesses had survived the, tech, the, the recession in 2008. 
2008 and but they, recently a lot of them have sort, have sort of just folded or they've moved um and the thing is, is like now there's like like one whole street where there used to be these buildings that I'm telling you about, these businesses running out of these buildings. The entire, all of them are closed. All these mm-hmm. tech areas are just, are closed. They're shuttered. And all of them have like for sale or for lease signs or something like that. And but, but we're reading here about how jobs are starting to bounce back. Like more people are going back to work than they have in, in years. This is supposed to be one of the biggest bounce backs from such a recovery in recovery recorded American history and the and the question is where are they going to work is what I would like to know is everybody telecommuting um what's the story with that and do you guys have any thoughts on on this and and what's the deal with all these abandoned buildings and I mean is is it a whole lot of what I I think there's a shitload of stuff that flies under the radar I really do you know um I don't think there's any way to ferret it out um but I think it's I think you're probably on to something in terms of you know there's a like how many trillions have disappeared into uh black operations right uh that nobody knows where the money goes and of course we believe it goes into you know alternative technologies and weaponry and reverse engineering of ufos that they've captured and so maybe uh the the abandoned building project is just an outgrowth of that you know maybe there's satellites to house uh research you know you will never know because uh, everyone's tight-lipped and you know if they wanted to talk they don't want to lose their pen pensions and, and their salaries so oh, they exactly. can't keep their mouths shut. I, mean, are, I, think, the, I think that's possible. What do the people look like that you're taking these taking to these buildings? They're people from they, all walks of like life, Walt. Average people? They're just, they're they just don't average. Like, um, they don't look like, they don't look homeless. They don't look like bums. Some people mm-hmm. that I've been dropping off at these abandoned um, tech buildings, um, they, they, they just like look like business people. I mean, they could be business people who are looking at the real estate thinking that, oh, hey, maybe this is where we want our headquarters. But it, hap- it it really happens really too often. And you chat them up ever? Just oh, like I just say, hey, well, you know, what do we do? On? You know, hey, you know, yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, like, I, 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 I mean, I'm able to talk to anybody. And there are these people who are, they are just quiet. And they're just going back to, I mean, and it's are all. They, are, do they evade your questions? They, I, some of them, most of them do. Like, when okay. we say, when we say, when I, you know, I pick these people up, it says, hey, well, you know, what are we, do- what are we up to today? What's on the agenda for the day? And they, and most of them just say, Yep, just going to work. And I go and it's like there's they look like they're empty buildings. Right. And there's a for sale or for lease sign and they go through the door and the the parking lot is empty. And I know it sounds like really strange. I know it sounds really weird, but it was That's like That's pretty interesting. It's That's pretty it, interesting. This has been going maybe, on for Maybe they're like weird startup companies or pop-up companies that just, I I would ra- I would rather believe that than anything else. Um but it, it does it it does it happens quite often and another observation that i've made here is that you have all of these buildings that are vacant and yet people are still building buildings and and cuz um uh at the intersection of uh i think it's uh uh 93 or 95 in route 2 <laughs> there's this 5000 square foot building um for lease you know somebody had built a state of the art building but they don't have a tenant and i'm just like but we're surrounded with these vacant buildings what's i mean who's paying for this who's who's doing this why are we building these buildings these brand yeah. new buildings but we have all these vacant other vacant buildings i'm gonna hear from walt and say like uh has eric contact you so no like they found this car abandoned outside a warehouse in burlington <laughs> <laughs> 
There was nothing nothing in the car but a fedora. So oh, no, that's going with me. That's going with me. And a, and a, and a, and a pile of dust. <laughs> I've been raptured. I've been raptured. No, and, and, and here's another thing. I've been going into these, uh, a lot of these vacant buildings, and it is the strange, it's, it is weird. It's like these, it's like these ghost towns and stuff like that. These high-tech ghost towns in, in the northeast here and it's like you know, I, I, I think I, this is pretty I think you're on to something this is pretty interesting Eric really sounds so, like an episode of Twilight Zone Eric yeah actually. it really I it, it, it really I, does and I'm I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm looking for a rational explanation where it could it does sound like the theme of a Philip K. Dick short story too yeah really he was <laughs> wow he was pretty out there yeah he, that's it that's that is interesting though. I don't I don't even know what could account for that I mean I, I don't really have you know, unless they're just using it as an address or something to to have a physical plant of some kind yeah. that doesn't really do anything other than exist as a physical. You know, I, I don't know. It's it's probably a front of, for something. I, I I don't even have. There's a, a lot. Then that means that there has to be That's a weird. lot of fronts for a lot of some things. Then well, it could be. Yeah. Um, I, uh, the last thing I have here is, uh, I think we discussed this a while ago. Um, uh, Charles Del Delschau, he was German, uh, in the late 1800s, supposedly, um, they, after he died, a number of his drawings and notebooks, uh, were, were, were trashed and this person bought them from a, a, a trash man and somehow it made its, it got out, uh, that, uh, he had some pretty interesting drawings and writings and so a local museum got hold of them and they did some on display and um, a, a, a finally like an 80, 80 uh, page book was published but basically his work centers around uh, the Sonora Aero Club mm-hmm. and um, the basic gist of it is that Delshaw claimed that there he was uh, in a club with a group of members who dis- discovered a formula for anti-gravity an anti-gravity fuel and that they designed and built the first uh, navigable aircraft and I remember uh, uh, if you guys certainly do remember this Charles Fort talked about all the weird airship sightings uh, around the US uh, in the late 1800s and um, it, you know it's been written off as like you know uh, strange occurrences but this seems to have some some concrete basis uh, in explaining like you know what these things were now um, the Sonora Aero Club was supposedly a branch of a larger secret society German society called NYMZA and if you track that down what it translates out to is uh, a German uh, translation is I can't pronounce the German nationalist whatever I'm not even going to attempt it uh, it translates out to nationalist hunting flying object machines payment office department or program office so um, there was a pre- evidently in the, uh, a breakaway civilization that was Prussian a Prussian nationalist group secret society uh, that was uh, um, dedicated to uh, uh, having Germany become the global superiority at the time. Uh, it probably uh, links to Hitler's rise to power sometime, although it's not talked about in what I read, but um, it's to, they had to flying the, uh, machines in the late 1800s and that their civilization developed parallel to ours, but on a separate path. It's linked to the Tula Society, actually. Tula, okay, okay. <clears throat> that would make sense. Um, that which is going to come it, it's funny 
because that's going to come into our conversation later about the uh, Nazi technology at in, in, at Antarctica. Oh, okay. Um, we we actually did a show about this. Uh, how long ago was that, Eric? Yeah, maybe, about a year ago. Or? Yeah, maybe an hour. Yeah, an hour ago. Yeah, no, we we've we've already done I think at least one show on Antarctica. Okay. Oh no, I'm talking about the I'm talking about the uh, Sonora. Uh, club, Sonora that, um, Aero Club. Yes, okay. and, yes. and Nimza, Nimza. That's okay. pronounced Nimza. Nimza. Uh, okay. There's a guy, Walter Bosley, who um, wrote a book about this. Um, it's called The Empire of the Wheel. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I came uh-huh. across that. Yeah. And he's going to be on. He's coming back on the show in two weeks. Oh, he's, that would be interesting. He's got an update on it, I, I think, and, and he's got, I think, some new knowledge on the uh, Antarctica situation too, which okay. we're going to we're going to get into today. Evidently, uh, they were flying these craft and. Yosemite in the 1850s, uh, you know, pretty far away from watchful eyes. So uh, I just found that interesting. And that, I mean, I'm Inter- sure interestingly, just disappear, interestingly, know? Trump's uh, grandfather or something was involved with that. Really? Yeah, they have a picture, one of the um, one of the drawings, because apparently some of the families had their own machine, like their own flying machine. Okay. And one of the drawings that um, from that, uh, what's his name, Charles, um, the guy you talked about earlier, Charles. The guy that did the drawings. I don't. I don't remember his last name, but um, one of the pictures has Trump on it. Has the name Trump on it. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of, kind of an interesting connection. So um, Trump's family, I guess, goes back into the uh, German aristocracy. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so evidently, he, the German military approached the uh, leader of the group. They wanted to militarize the knowledge, and he refused. And then mysteriously, he died under mysterious circumstances. That's so, surprising. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, it's You can't get behind the veil, but I'm, I'm sure if we could, it would be extremely interesting. Uh, I mean, the Germans were so far ahead in their technology in the Second World War. I'm surprised they lost. I think they developed it too late. Well, well I, I think they um, – well. I, I think they – misplaced their energy yeah uh, Mm -hmm. they they didn't you know they i don't think they really ever thought they were going to lose i think they thought it was just going to be a progression of weaponry development to the point where nobody everybody just put their hands up and said okay forget it we're not going to fight you anymore they were absolutely right uh the problem was they had no idea we had broken their code so we knew every move they were making which gives you an unbelievable advantage in winning a war so what the heck you know? Oh, intelligence. And I, yeah. I think they were undercut by the powers to be, too, I think. Well, the, that, too. You know, yeah, absolutely. I think the Illuminati mm-hmm. um, yeah. cut, cut them loose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. How how long can you stick around today, Jim? Are you, you I, have stick, a, I, I, I can. What time is it? 11.30. I can do another half hour, and then I have to take off. Okay, because I think you have a lot of. There's one other topic that we, ha- we have not touched upon, and it is a huge topic. I can't believe that we actually haven't talked about this. Well, I guess maybe. We only mentioned it. I guess we never really explored it. What's that? The Aero Club. Um, I don't know. We well, we did a we did a whole show with with Bosley, Walter Bosley, about it. How did I miss that? Um, when was that? I don't know. Just I don't go know. to metaphysical. Just go to metaphysicalpodcast.com and you okay. will see all of our past episodes. Okay, we'll do. So we have not talked about the most important topic. I, I can't believe that something of so such importance we've just sort of glossed right over. We did not talk about the end of the world that occurred on April 23rd. I mean, 
What are you talking how, about? How are you guys making one. out? How, how are you guys making out since the world ended? <laughs> Who predicted I, that one? I haven't noticed much difference, actually. <laughs> no, really. I'm looking at all of these end of the world, end of the world Unless 2018. And I don't realize. It. The rapture <laughs> will happen today. And this was posted, this is for April 23rd. And um, it, we're, I'm looking at this, and it says the end of the world will take place on April 23rd. And you look at all of these news items about rapture coming, the end of the world. Oh, oh, oh wait a minute, wait a minute. New, we're new, still doing that. New Jeez. news item, new news item here. No, that's the wrong date. It's now that they've moved up the date, um, and the Bible says that it's going to, the world is going to end. June twenty fourth, two thousand eighteen. I mean, they just keep pushing it back. I I don't understand that. At some point, you would think all these people who make up these dates. I, 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 Neil, improve me. I promise you. You tithe all your earnings to me now, and you'll be saved. The world's coming to an end in like two point five days. <laughs> okay, I'll give you everything I own. <laughs> I don't. I. I, I just let me I, write. It, let me write a check, brother Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm telling you right now, the baby Jesus ain't giving me a message to share with all of you. The world is coming to the end on July 20, July 23rd, 2018. You need to get all your what money. What kind of an accent is that, Eric? <laughs> it sounds like an old miner from the 1800s. This, this is Reverend Ricky coming from you from Arkansas, the, the, the church of the golden fedora. And I'm going to tell oh you right now, God. the end of the world is coming July 23rd. And what you need to do. Sounds like a tent revival. You need to send me all your liquor and your alcohol. ready. I'm looking for the mothership. Hey, you know what? I heard this really great Jim Jones joke. I could tell it to you, but the punchline is too long. Okay. The well, punchline? The punchline is, is, is too long. Pun, no pun intended. The punchline? <laughs> Is that, oh, is that part of the joke? <laughs> the yeah. punchline is too long, Walt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get it. <laughs> uh, so who was predicting that? You just have these cults who come out and they say the the craziest things about what's going to happen. Crazy, craziest thing is people believe them. That's, <laughs> there's uh, people who actually think it's going to happen. You know, they I, I they make it, preparations and then it doesn't happen. They say, oh, maybe it'll happen time, next time. I had, time and again. There's this, yeah. there, there's this poor woman who had called me up and she from a church where Caroline used to say, Eric, Eric, the pastor had a dream and he was a shepherd and we were all sheep and the names of every family was painted on each of the sheep and and in his dream he was looking for the sheep with the fisk family name painted on it and there was no sheep with your name on it, Eric. <laughs> Uh, I say bah to that. <laughs> he was making margaritas with woolite. <laughs> so before I hung up, I said, bye. Well, you never skip a beat. <laughs> That was good. Oh my gosh. Okay, guys, enough enough end of the world scenarios here. Let's let's get rolling on our topic since Jim's time is uh, Jim, is precious Jim's time today. Is, Jim's um, time is precious, and I'm making punchline jokes. Oh God. Um, so um, we're gonna we're gonna get into the topic of pre-atomites today, which yeah. um, which I, I think is a pretty interesting topic that uh, has virtually been. 
ignored, I guess, or, uh, you know, if, if you believe the traditional stuff that we're taught, you know, yeah. that the human race started out as a prim- primitive beings that just gradually, gradually, gradually yeah. Yeah. moved into hunter-gatherer stage and then eventually developed civilization. The one kicker in that whole theory is that there was at some point the whole thing was jump-started. Right. And we, we got all of these, suddenly got all of this great knowledge about mathematics and astronomy and, um, you know, these civilizations like Sumeria suddenly had knowledge about how many planets there were, although they had no telescopes, which is a little, a little odd. But um, well, so, can I, can I chime in before you? Yeah, sure, go ahead, jump sure. in. I'm, I totally. I mean, it's like taking a drink of water for me that I believe in pre-atomites. I mean, there's so many things that have popped up, anomalies that they shelve because they don't fit in. You know, pieces of machined. Uh, uh, items that they find that are like so old that they just like write them off because they say it can't possibly be there was no man and then they also say there was no man at the time of the dinosaurs yet they find like footprints uh, coexisting I mean yeah, there absolutely were pre-civilizations absolutely as far as I'm concerned I th- that's a given uh, that that fits right in with what we're going to talk about because how did those things get there <laughs> I mean there's there's no way that they could have gotten there without some kind of an existing civilization civilization having left them behind and and in some of the strata it's like going back millions of years absolutely you know um, they just found a footprint in in new mexico a human footprint that was um going back about like a million years Mm -hmm. you know it was a fossilized you know imprint yeah. Uh, so how do you, how do you explain that? You know, I mean, you know, people always joke about humans existing, and I think it's a Christian notion that the that humans existed at the same time as the dinosaurs. But mm-hmm. maybe that's not so crazy, you know. As no, people, it's not, I, mean, I don't think. It, no, I don't think that's crazy. How about I forget? Remember that um, he's dead now, but his uh, these little figurines. It's a little museum in South America. Remember uh, figurines of like men riding dinosaurs, and you know, mm-hmm. I forget. I forget what the name of the collection is. There's a lot of weird stuff that people, archaeologists, keep finding. And they they keep coming up with these um, explanations for all of this. Because, well, the carbon dating is probably flawed. Or you find these strange figurines with people riding dinosaurs. And, um, oh, well, that, that, that must be children's toys. Fantasy. Because, you know, obviously there was fantasy in science fiction since the dawn of time. And at some point, when you start... So you, you make enough of these discoveries, you got to scratch your head and you got to sort of ask yourself. And once again, this gets back to like Phil Copen's thesis uh-huh. of all of his work. How much of history is incomplete? Because maybe the whole idea of civilizations go back far, far further than our actual recorded history. Um, and I, one of the, I think one of the greatest books in this topic has been um, Phil Copen's Lost Civilization Enigma, where there is absolute total evidence. There's, there's a mountain of evidence out there that has, is quasi-suppressed. Or just at abnormal um, archaeological abnormalities. Oh, they're actually there's actually a name for them. Um, they're called they're anomalies, but they're also called uports. Yes, the out of place. O P A R T S. Really? Um, have you ever heard that? Uh, yes. Term? Spell that. Spell that again. It's, what is it's, that? It's double O O O P A R T S. I guess it's uports. Out of place. I've never heard of that. No, I never heard of that one. Um, yeah. And and what it is is all of these things that are. You know, 
know, found around the world. It's not just in any one location. Um, that just it just makes no sense for for them to be there. Um, you know, like they found a um, they found a cube, a metal cube in in a um, in a solid piece of stone that was excavated. You know. There's you know, no way that that could have gotten there. You know, a few shows ago, I gave you guys a list of various things yeah. That, that, yeah. that fit. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Pretty good. Yeah, you know, this, supposedly there's a flash frozen civilization in Antarctica that's pre-Adamite. Right. Yeah, that's right. part that of our conversation later. Yeah, uh, uh, that's skulls. what we're gonna. That's what we're gonna get into today. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I didn't mean to jump ahead. I didn't realize. No, it's okay. The um, oddly enough, um, there was a metal vase found in Dorchester, oh, Massachusetts. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that. Did you see that? It was dino. Yeah. They were dynamiting and they found this va- metal vase in the strata yeah. and it yeah. was you know very went pretty far down but it was clearly a piece of worked metal you know it had decoration it had flower uh, inlays and you know it was clearly a piece that some metalsmith had done who knows when they don't have a time frame on it but like mm-hmm. way 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 back right you know? uh, that, that went back to 1951 so yeah there's I mean there's a lot of that kind of stuff that just I mean it uh, to me it's all evidence that there were people living here pre-Adamic. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's no question. And, and even the, the structures, pyramids, the you know, Gobekli Tepe, um, all of the um, structures in South America, those are all pieces of that puzzle, I think. Mm-hmm. That um, people just they just don't really have a place for them, so they say, well, you know, I guess they really had an advanced form of building at that period, right? Uh, not, so you know, um, you could. So have- let, let's go back to um, to the start, I guess. Really, um, the, the whole the whole picture really starts with and and Jim, I know you've read the Terra Papers. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. Eric. You have you read that? I don't know. I've read excerpts of it. Parts of it, yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's a it's a thesis, or I guess a paper on uh, how the how the universe and particularly our solar system formed, or, or the history of it anyway. And it's from Robert Morning Sky, the, the Native American who claims that his his uh, grandfather um, had conversations with a sky visitor. Whose mm-hmm. ship crashed back? Um, I, I, I managed. I managed to score a signed copy of that. Go ahead. Off, Did off you eBay. really? Off of wow. eBay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's impressive. Yeah. Um, so part of the story that this that the sky visitor imparted to to these to this band of Native Americans was that the the universe has has really had a history of. Uh, warring factions and and even that that warring mindset was brought into our solar system Mm -hmm. so so that way back um and this is going back about sixty thousand years ago i guess um there was another planet that existed it was actually the fifth planet um Mm. yep it was there was um earth third planet mars and then this fifth planet and the reason why they conjecture about that is because the planets are kind of concentric the orbits and the distance between them and there's a big gap between mars and um jupiter Jupiter, right indicating that there should be a planet there however there exactly is the asteroid belt so so the the thesis behind this is that this planet um maldak which was a huge planet um was populated and it was you know it was a thriving planet and it was 
There's two theories. Wow. It was either exploded as part of a war or um, the planet um, Nibiru, which is the planet the Anunnaki came from, which has a concentric orbit, which comes into our solar system every 3,600 years. Now, we've, we've discussed this before, so this is right. sort of a catch-up for the people who didn't hear the earlier shows. Um, actually crashed, uh, Nibiru actually crashed into to Maldak and exploded it. Um, the other theory is that the, the core of the planet was weaponized, which, which is kind of interesting. So they used, the, they used the core of the planet to, they drew the energy off of it to weaponize it, and it caused it to explode, weakened it, weakened the structure of it, I guess. So those are two pretty interesting theories. But um, where, where I'm going with this is that um, the pre-Adamites were actually refugees from that war. They, they were inhabitants of Mars. And because of the war, Mars was rendered uninhabitable. So they, you know, they left in two huge motherships and landed on what is now Antarctica. Mm, interesting, uh, yeah. Now, this is coming from Michael Sala, Dr. Michael Sala, who's, who's you know, he's a college professor. So he's, you know, he's not a lightweight in the, in the field. And also some of it is from Corey Good, who... Okay, um, yes, right. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's, I don't know what to make of him. He's, he's a pretty, he comes up some wild stuff but you know a lot of this stuff people seem to think is, is has some truth to it so I don't know but anyway so these refugees are what were the what we would call now the pre-Adamites um, and they were human human like beings but they were huge they were like 14 to 15 feet tall and they had elongated skulls um, <clears throat> so I, I think this ties into all the all the giant skeletons that have been found around around the world we, you know you've talked about this a lot Jim uh, yeah I think that's really been covered up I, I do I do believe that for some reason over the past hundred years all the, everything they found has been destroyed covered up uh, I don't know why I, don't, I can't understand why a, a cons, if we want to call it a conspiracy should would go back that far like why would the Smithsonian at the turn of the century be covering up stuff like that it's crazy they want to maintain the existing paradigm I guess well, I know yeah. they do. Real but, explanation for it. But, what, what other explanation is there? I mean, well, there there isn't, except that they so many things have been found. What is that? I, I can't that believe noise? it hasn't. More hasn't leaked out. You know, there's there's the, there's the, the chimes noise. It's coming from somewhere. It's not coming from me. I don't think. Could it be Jim? You playing? Are you playing your xylophone, Jim? No. Oh. Every once in a while, there's oh, this. Oh no! Like, you know what happened? Um, uh, I I have my new cell phone. It uh, it has an alert when I get an email or something. Oh. Okay. Oh, oh. It's like that bonging sound when you get an email coming through. Yeah, yeah. yeah but a, but a, a more um, xylophone. You, it's, yeah. It's more new age. Yeah. Yeah, more new. <clears throat> Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. No. So so um. So that's the that's the um, the genesis, I think, of the, of the pre-Adamites. Now, they um, they created colonies as well, and I think that I think actually think that Atlantis um, was one of their colonies. I think it was a, an extension of their civilization. They, they eventually branched out. Um, I don't how, think Atlantis was even the earliest one. No, that's what I mean. I think that I think the pre-Adamites, this group, this group of refugees, landed um, on what is is now Antarctica. However, the interesting thing is that um, Antarctica, as we know it today, is not the way it was then. Um, Going back to to the theories of Charles Hapsgood, who we've talked about, the theories of pole shift. Maps of the ancient sea kings. We've we've talked about him in the past. Um, He was actually a college professor in in, uh, Keene, New Hampshire. Yeah. Uh, 
kills crossing the street. He, he was. He was, oddly enough. Uh, but his theory was that um, at points in time, the crust of the Earth actually shifts and the pole kind of shifts with it. Yeah. So that back before this polar shift um, and what is now Antarctica was located like around where Australia would be now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it all kind of shifted to the, to the South Pole and was flash frozen, mm-hmm. which is what you were getting to before, Jim. So, so all of this, this whole civilization was immediately like put in, you know, deep freeze. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's all still there, apparently, um, and is now being excavated. That's pretty interesting, yeah. By different factions mm-hmm. on Earth. Um, yeah, and, you never see that in the news, ever. No. The only thing you ever see is that, like, we know that, um, and and, and uh, Eric and I did a show, several shows back now about Antarctica, and we, we kind of touched on it. We didn't get real deeply into it, but um, a lot of people like, um, what's his name, the, the guy from the Obama administration, John Kerry, mm-hmm. was there. He, he was sent down there on election day. Yeah. Uh, which is a little odd. Uh, and let, it, let let us refresh our memory on John Kerry. He was a he's a member of the Skull and Bones Society. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of things about there's a lot of things about recent trips to Antarctica that a lot of people should sort of like scratch their heads and say, uh, no, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. Like the whole thing about John Kerry going down to Antarctica um, on election day, like you said, that could possibly be one of the worst days when a cabinet member is going down to go on a, on a on a trip to literally to the edge of the civilization um and we all and we all know that election day is kind of like a big deal here in the united states with a lot of people being concerned about you know voter fraud and stuff like that um and do yourself a a, a favor just just google um john Kerry antarctica and just see what comes up and I, i'm mm-hmm. I leave that up to you to for, sort of figure out and decide what you want to make of it well who do you think trump sent down there do you guys know about this? Go ahead. No, no, I don't. Newt Gingrich. Yeah. Really? He yeah. did. Yeah. That, that's you look it up on the internet. You can see he went down there. He he said um, he had some nonsense explanation, but um, apparently he was exploring the underground. Um, there, there's a whole underground civilization there, um, and now that the, now that the ice shelf is starting to melt, um, I think the western side of it now is starting to melt. Yeah. A lot of things are starting to be. Um, revealed. Uh, we're seeing that there's there's pyramids down there. Where Eric and I talked about that yeah. earlier on an earlier show. I came um, I think maybe yeah. I think that this yeah. might be the like the the third show that we have actually done that's had something to do with lost civilization in Antarctica. I know it sounds mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, so I guess what's happening is there's there's some kind of reveal that's going to be coming our way from that whole thing. Um, nobody quite knows what that is, uh, but there's all kinds of stuff going on down there. And you can't just go there. <laughs> Jim, you, you, have you, to get per- you have to get permission from, the, from yeah. the country. And different countries have sort of um, have taken possession of certain pieces of the of, of Antarctica. And, and Antarctica is huge. Yeah, it's, it, it's it like, is. It's like as big as the United States and uh, Alaska put together. The mm-hmm. mainland United States and Alaska put together. So it's a huge uh, piece of land. Um, and, you know, we think of it as a frozen place. But underneath it is there's all these underground caverns and waterways and yeah. things, which is 
which is what the Nazis discovered. Um, mm, yeah, so probably part of a larger network, perhaps. Supposedly, the yeah, the mm-hmm. the sub crust is 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 uh, honeycombed with tunnels going like you know hundreds of miles around the planet. Right, right. So apparently, the the Nazis discovered this. Um, in pre, I don't know whether it's pre World War II or right around the beginning of the war. I think in the late thirties. There's um, there's so much information and disinformation that you yeah, you, you read you read that the first expedition was down there was 1938, and then you read 1941. I mean, you know, it's it, once again readers Google Nazi expedition Antarctica and mm-hmm. read what you find and then make up your own decisions, make up your own mind. Well, so apparently the um, the Nazis that were down in Antarctica were sort of a breakaway group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they I'm started right, yeah. out they started out going down there, I think, because they had some sense. And I don't know um, if they had, you know, they had they had a lot of occult means at their disposal. Right. You know, they may have had remote viewers and things like that way back when, way back then. That's not a new phenomenon, yeah. I think. So somehow they knew there was some kind of technology down there that they wanted. And, and they found uh, Michael Sala has actually unearthed, um, and I think you'll find this interesting, Jim, uh, a map that was drawn by um, one or more U-boat commanders. Really? They mapped out the channels yeah. under under Antarctica. That's pretty maybe, interesting. Maybe you can put that on the uh, show page, Eric. Yeah, I sure, uh, I sure will. Up with that. Uh, that's pretty cool. Um, so so they were going down there, and they and they had these special U-boats that um, that were like huge. Uh, apparently, uh, there was there was a they had a number for them. I don't remember what the number was right now, but it's what they used near the end of the war when they tr- they were transporting gold yeah. and stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, different places right so um this group of you know we call them nazis because they were connected to the nazi movement but i'm not sure that they were nazis necessarily philosophically okay i I think they were more like a group that was interested in the next phase probably the fourth reich maybe Um, yeah because they sort of at some point I think realized that the war was not going well, mm-hmm. so they they kind of broke away from the Nazi war machine, and um, they were apparently financed by the Tool Society. Tool Society, okay, um, and had um, developed access to anti gravity technology. The Bell, perhaps that could have been part of it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that might have been an offshoot of that. Um, but that's also where they took a lot of their loot when the you know near the end of the war. When they when they saw that uh, you know the, that Germany was going to not be the victors in the war, they they took all the stuff down there or some of it anyway. And and South America too was was a re- recipient of a lot of that stuff, which is not that far from Antarctica when you think about it. Well, you know what? Part of the thing with the Nazis is that in twelve short years they went from nothing to almost conquering the world, and I think part of the reason is because they. Th- they thought alternate. They thought outside of the box. They were like an alternative civilization uh, on the planet, and they just they thought outside the box, and they left no stone unturned. And I mean, uh, I think that's what you're talking about here. Some of the things that they discovered um, were kind of extraordinary. 
Well, and who, who knows how much of it um, came out of that exploration of Antarctica? Well, that, yeah. There's, right. there's supposedly two, like I said earlier, there's two motherships that, that originally came from Mars. Uh, I know that, I know this is pretty out there, but... Um, I don't think yeah, it is. Let's, let's, no. Well, yeah. Let's, let's just go with it. I, I mean, guess, for you know? us, and, it's kind of normal, but for ordinary, these, everyday people, they're kind of like, oh, this is crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. If yep. you, know, you believe what you want to believe, you take, yep. take away from it what you want. Um, if so, you read, but if you read widely and connect the dots, I mean, you go go back to uh, Ruth Montgomery. She published a book called "The World Before She Was a Psychic," no mm-hmm, longer with I've us. Her, and yeah. uh, she talked about pre-atomites, and uh, um, you know, and then if you go to Edgar Casey's readings, and like you, know, you and you, you just delve into so much out there. If you read widely and connect the dots, then it all becomes very plausible. So I know, yeah, the average person doesn't do that. They don't do that type of research or that type of reading so it does seem strange but if you delve into it enough it seems uh pretty plausible very plausible uh, i'm sorry go ahead no so if so yeah so going back to the pre-adamites if, if you look at their um the way their um their their bodies were oddly shaped mm-hmm. um which had to do with the um the gravity on mars was different mm-hmm. so so they had a different physicality because of that and, and also they had these elongated skulls which if you look at the Egyptian, um, some of the Egyptian rulers, they had the same kind of skull. The elongated uh, so, skull. So you have yeah. to make the connection between these pre-Adamites and what would become Egyptian civilization. Uh, also, the, the god, uh, was it uh, King Tut's father? Uh, they discovered his tomb somewhere. I can't remember where. I think it was part of the, where they discovered King Tut. And he apparently had the same kind of body structure as these mm-hmm. pre-Adamites. There's drawings of them. America, we'll have to. I'll have to get those to you. And yeah, absolutely. Put those on the on the on the show page as well. So so apparently these these beings, you know, colonized the the planet and and gradually became part of the um you know the line of kings, their bloodline anyway, um, which came down into Egypt and and I think probably into some of the the civilizations in South America and in Central America. Um, they had colonies pretty much all over the planet, um, and then. Then you had the the next phase of it was you had the um, the flood, mm-hmm. which again there's conjecture about when that was, but it was around twelve thousand years ago. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and that was either caused by a comet or or something. Um, but it pretty much wiped the wiped the planet clean and. Uh, it, it kind of wiped out everything other than, you know, these big structures that were built by, I think, this race of people. You know, the pyramids, the pyramids are still there. Um, some of the structures in in South America and Central America, the those pyramids, are, those are all ancient. You know, they, they were, they free, when you, when they talk to the, the tribes that are now, you know, that were living there currently or before, you know, in recent history, they say, we didn't build these. They were they were built before. Yeah, you know, yeah. So they're, they're all ancient. It's all ancient stuff and i think it all goes back to the pre-adamites i think the 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 egyptian pharaoh that you were talking about i think his name is um Akhenaten, or yes. I might uh, Akhenaten. I think. Uh, yeah, and the yes. thing is, is that a lot of people had said that he actually had a very strange reign. Um, a lot of the big, huge um, projects that they were that they that uh, the Egyptians had, they there was no rationality for a lot of the projects, like some of the some of your earlier pyramids. People said you need to build this thing. Well, why do we need to build this thing? Well, because I said so, and a lot of people are kind of like, mm-hmm. and that, and he was probably 
one of the pharaohs that as soon as he passed away, there was um, a huge effort to purge a lot of the images of him after he was gone. Apparently, he was a bit of a tyrannical ruler, and mm -hmm. a lot of his descendants or his... Um, uh, pharaohs who succeeded him I, for a lot of reasons. I don't think he was all that um, um, all that popular. So, uh, going back to what you were saying well, about a worldwide flood, does uh, Gobekli Tepe? Doesn't it seem that the structures there were like just uh, hit uh, by some type of cataclysm that just scattered this, these huge stones all over the place? And they were buried too. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are there is evidence there of a worldwide cataclysm, a flood, because water has great power especially if you you read into what they speculate you know what it was like for a worldwide flood uh, the tides and the pole shift and the, the water racing all to one end of the planet and then rushing back again i mean destroyed everything mm -hmm. like you a massive, massive tsunami yeah massive yeah. massive so yeah i mean a lot of it uh, we have to speculate about but like if you if, if they would just allow the anomalies to come forward and uh, examine them with an open mind it would change the timeline for mankind it would just it would uh, but well, they, don't, I mean, they don't want that out there well no they wouldn't want it out there because the thing is is that it, it again this gets back to phil copen's thesis whereas like if you change the paradigm if you come out and you say okay well we were wrong about history we were wrong about yeah. the origins of man right. that's going to turn society upside down i mean if, yeah. if you if you look at all of these uparts that walt was talking about earlier if you look at all these strange now anomalies out of place artifacts it's going to keep you up at night thinking about mm -hmm. well what else is going on what other strange things are hiding just underneath the dirt that um science and, and archaeology has no rational explanation for you look at you look at things that are like what's going on with antarctica what's with all of these strange artifacts that now we might also be finding in greenland of all things mm. and you look at all of these like these strange things that the one i don't even it's awful for me to say this like there's an upside to global warming but i think i think the only upside to global warming is that we're able to go to antarctica and see what is going on and a mm. lot of people are saying and I and I just like looked this up while we were talking. A lot of people were saying, "Oh well, Newt Gingrich was was going to Antarctica to look at the vast oil reserves that is just underneath the ground in Antarctica." Would you really? Would you really send Newt Gingrich? <laughs> and to look at uh, <laughs> I, I, oil I reserves in, in Antarctica, wouldn't you send like a, a representative from maybe, maybe Exxon Mobil? Maybe, maybe he was looking for his fifth wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, wouldn't send, I wouldn't send Newt Gingrich to the mini mart to get me coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty odd. I mean, really. I mean, say whatever it is you want to say about Newt Gingrich, whether or not he's a successful politician. That's all in the eye of the old beholder. But if you were going to think to myself, oh, we, we should send somebody to look at the uh, oil reserves in Antarctica. <laughs> well, what's the first name that you would think of? Oh, let me think. Um, <laughs> uh, you knew Gingrich. That's not. What was it? There was a there was a <clears throat> there was a Russian oligarch too that visited 
there recently. Yeah, one of the Russian oligarchs. So, so the Russians have their hand in the in the pie too. You know, um, so getting back to the, I, I guess, some of the history of Antarctica, which which I think all um, is derivative from the, you know, from the beginning of the pre-Atomite um, presence there, um, the the development of the secret space program, which which now apparently is is an offshoot of of the Nazi. Um, the Nazi doings down there in, in Antarctica. They, yeah. they apparently developed um, <clears throat> some kind of anti-gravity flying machines based on, I think, that technology that they found there um, and probably other places around the globe where it's, you know, where there's been crashes and things like that. Um, and then you have the whole thing where you have Operation um, High Jump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, where yeah. they sent Admiral Perry down there to, uh, I don't know exactly what his mission was, um, but he, he he, he didn't he didn't do well he, he had a whole no. he had a whole no. like what do they call that a um a battle group yeah. yeah he did he had a battle and, group and and he was down there it, it didn't last very long and he apparently got a got an ass weapon and and came limping back um so something went went on went on down there he he faced some kind of technology that, yeah. that the current technology was not able to cope with um and then in the 50s apparently um Eisenhower made a pact with that group. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I read that. Yep. So the the American um, military industrial complex kind of kind of joined with them and created their own space program. Mm-hmm. So, Supposedly, they sold us out. They they allowed abductions and experimentation in return for technology and uh, you know. Yes. Which yeah, is so. which is again something that I like to bring up as often as possible, as creepy as it sounds. Somewhere up to a half a million people go from the United States each year and other countries have similar disappearances that they cannot explain either mm-hmm. um, and I, I again where do these people go that's a good question yeah that's something that's never even discussed right. on the, in mainstream media oh and by the way by no means am I saying that all of these people who are being abducted are being abducted by aliens I'm not saying that at all I mean I'm saying that I have no idea where these people go I can only well, speculate some of them go into sex trafficking ped- you know pedophilia rings uh, humans you know uh, satanic worship, human sacrifice. I mean, I think that's a huge thing that's just way covered up, way covered up. Well, you, you know, another thing too is the Nazis did a lot of their work down in um, Antarctica with slave labor. Yeah. Mm, okay. so, um, maybe there's people being taken down there to work as slaves. Who knows? I don't know. You know, it's possible. Anybody's or, guess. Or somewhere. Is, anybody's guess is as good as somebody else's. Well, who was, uh, God, I can't remember the name. Uh, claims he was sold into slavery as a young boy and and forced to serve on a on a uh, spaceship, uh, you know, someplace in a mining operation or or uh, some type of military operation for 20 years. He said he was on board this craft serving. Isn't that his Corey time. Good? No, I think it was Isn't somebody Corey else Good? besides Corey Good. I think it was somebody, yeah. another guy, another guy. I've heard that one. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'd love to stay longer, but I've got to meet my sister. Uh, we're gonna talk about some things with the fam- with my mother. So, All right. Uh, I got to sign off. Well, we're, we're okay. going to let you go. I'm going to take a quick break. And, Walt, I'll be back here in a second. Okay. All right.
Now that we're back from the break, good to hear Jim again, huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you. Missed his input. Yeah, you know, the thing is, is that um, it's good having him at least like once a month. Um, I don't know. He just brings an energy that I like. I just... He does. I do. He's got his own his own spin on things. So, um, where do you want to go from here? Uh, Harlan Ellison had said something that I thought was really interesting in one of the commentaries that that he did um, for Sci-Fi Buzz about 20 years ago. He was talking about when when he realized that that history is wrong and upside down, and we're we're convoluting and we're mixing up uh, myth and mythology with science and 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 whatnot. And um, he, he had a question and. and and uh, when they were talking about, like, I think they had a priest or a pastor talking about creationism in school. And there's a story, you know the story about um, Adam and Eve, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the, the story of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel got in a fight and Cain killed Abel. And he was he was, he was banished um, and he had to leave his parents. And he goes off and he, he gets married and he, he finds other people and he starts the Canaanites. And the thing is, is that one of the Harlan Ellison had sort of asked, which really sort of like threw everybody for a loop, is that when Cain left Adam and Eve, who did he marry? Who did he hook up with? How, how come we don't hear about those those people that he met after he, he left his parents? And why is it? How come how come the, the, the Catholic Church doesn't want to talk about that? And that's another and that's that's not a, a flippant question. I'm not trying to be a smart ass. Well, it's an, it's it's like the, the things that are found, you know, in strata in, in at a depth where they should where they don't belong it's it's an anomaly it's an it's an anomaly if you accept that version of things right uh, you know the other version the alternative version is that 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 whole story is stemming from the the Anunnaki um, occupation of the planet and and how they um, you know they, they didn't create the human race they they sort of embellished the, the existing humans at on the planet with, right. with their DNA, um, so that so the whole biblical story sort of is based on the Anunnaki story, but morphed into something that could create a, you could create create a 
religion around. Exactly. So, so there's a certain degree of mysticism attached to it, which you can't prove or disprove. It's just is, you know, it just was, whatever. And, and that's what really what the, the whole religion is based on. And what's religion? It's it's a form of control, you know. So. And somebody had asked the questions about Cain's wife. And by asking the question, like somehow, like you're a bad Christian if, if you ask these questions. And this is one of the one of the real huge problems that I have with religion in general, that these are mm-hmm. questions that you like, it's not enough for you to say, oh, it's a sin. It's a sin, Eric, to, 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 to ask that question. You're supposed to just take it on faith that God knows what he's doing because God's plan works. Well, no, right. <laughs> I, I don't well, think yeah. so. I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not buying this. This gets back to um, all these, the books, of, the lost books of the Bible and all the stories that are in there that answer all of these questions or answers a lot of them. And um, my wife had uh, found a a Bible that belonged to the family. And I think that it was bought back in the uh, 1845, I think. I remember because I think I was ringing. It was a hundred years before the end of World War II, something about World War II. So it's got to be 1845. And they have like the lost books of the Bible. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, and then I was looking at that. I was looking at it. And it was just like these are like the the every single page of the Bible of in this book is like it's well worn, well used, well loved, well taken care of, except for this section of this Bible that nobody has touched in a hundred well, years. They don't want to. They don't want to go there. <laughs> it just you know there's there's a, there's a structure in place that seemingly works for them. You know it gives them parameters to to live their life by. I guess you you could say so. They don't want anything to challenge that. You know because it's like shaking somebody's tree you know if, if you if you like your tree and you and you like living in that tree that you have things you believe right. you don't want anybody to come along and shake it and say no 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 no, it's not quite right you know that's that's what all these anomalies do right to, to the to um archae- to the archaeological community you know they they don't have a place for it so they say well I, you know just somehow it got there you know uh, mike michael cremo's done a lot of work with that with forbidden archaeology yeah Another great uh, you know, he, site. Another he great traces, site. Uh, he traces stuff back millions of years, not just hundreds of thousands, but millions of years. Um, you know, like they they found in one of his books, I remember they found a piece of amber. Yeah. And now amber is fossilized uh, tree sap, yeah. basically. Um, so they found um, this piece of amber in the Baltic region that if you look at it, it looks like it has a piece of cloth in it. Exactly. High tech cloth. You know, well, how do you figure that? Yeah. Where, where does that come from? Um, there's another thing. There's a, this. This I found really interesting. There's a. Um, have you read about this genetic disc? I have. They found. Yes, it's, um, it's, it's found by a guy in Bogota, Colombia. Yeah, yeah. A professor. It's if if you actually look and you actually look and see, um, you do a search for upas and, and under the images that you'll find, you'll see this disc that looks like it's like it's it's a what is it? A, it's a metal tablet that explains mm-hmm. with a diagram of DNA. I mean, the creation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it shows, um, you know, it shows a fetus in the womb, and it shows um, depictions of sperm cells, and it, and it, first of all, it's it's in a piece of metal that um, we can we can put. A, I've got a picture of it. I can send it to you. We can put it on the show page. Yep. But um, it's made out of. Um, it's actually stone. Right. Uh, it's called ludite, um, but it does look like metal. Yeah. Um, it's got depictions of um, female egg cells and male yep. sperm and fertilized eggs and a growing embryo. Well, you know, how would they have known about that? I mean, they have microscopes. There's right. No, you know, there's no other way they would have known that. 
unless they had some other kind of knowledge about it. You know, that's the whole thing. Um, it shows, uh, there's things that show cell division, how, how cells divide. And how, there's no way they could have known about that. You know, this, this is something going back really, really far. Well, unless somebody told them, you know, that's well, the thing. Well, yeah, of you course, know. yeah. Or unless it was given to them by some group that knew about that, you know, as a sort of, a, you know, this, this is what happens kind of thing, you know, this is what, this is how how babies are created, you know, whatever, yeah. or just as an explanation. And I, I think the, um, getting back to the pre-Adamites, I, I think they were a race that their intention was to, to educate the existing population and to um, tell them about all these different things about science and you know, astronomy and all those things. Um, so, you know, there's just so many examples of that out there that just have no real rational explanation in terms yeah. of the timeline anyway. You know? There's a lot of things, so, yeah, there's a lot of things that make a lot of us sort of like scratch our heads and say, you know, how, how can how can we have these conversations? How can we have these conversations all about... Um, all of these things that are happening throughout, you know, history. We and the thing is, is that you're. This is it. This is this is how history is is taught, and this is what you absolutely have to believe. You have to believe. You have to believe A, B, C, D, E. All and everything happened in order. And then somebody comes up and they say, "Hey, well, hey, listen, I I, I think that I found something that actually came before A. I know it came before B, but I'm certain that it comes before A too." And people say, "Well, it can't. It can't because the." Thing is this is this this is our history these are the history books you have these people who like they will not allow you to contradict the paradigm of the history if you find this artifact that does not fit within the paradigm and you share with the, the people about this this artifact that you've discovered it could ruin your career but if you find something in the dirt that fits the paradigm or you can make it fit within the paradigm you're you're like the Neil deGrasse Tyson of of archaeology and it was like there's no room for, at all for people to come out to even debate whether or not these things do not fit within and does it push back the beginning of human existence and the thing is is that I, I have a hard time understanding this because the thing is is that astronomy is being re rewritten all the time physics they're trying to rewrite physics all the time um, electrical engineering I know that's a part of, of physics but that is constantly being rewritten time and mm. time again we make new discoveries about the origins of matter and space and time uh, 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 planets we debate one day Pluto can be a planet and the next day Pluto is not a planet it is a planet toyed it's it's not a full-fledged planet because it's, it's too a big small. asteroid it's a big asteroid <clears throat> we can have these debates about astronomy you can have room for debate about what happened at the dawn of time um, and Stephen Hawking who is a guy who wrote this great book about you know the brief history of time and at, towards the end of his life he said that with the work that he's done with the past couple of years before he passed away, he said, I'm not really sure if I had the complete picture 20 or 30 years ago. And that's okay. But if you say, hey, you know what? I think that we don't have the correct um, view on, on archaeology. I think that the history of humanity and when humanity started, people throw up all kinds of strange roadblocks, as a lot of people have written about, including again, once again, Phil Copens. And um, you can't even have 
have a dialogue about why you're not having a dialogue. Um, well, you know, the, the, another thing to look at too is you know you're talking about people that are in a in in sort of a closed field. You know, education is uh, based on certain parameters, certain paradigms, and and to be a teacher, you have to have some degree of authority yep. or, or be an authority in some sense, even if it's in a small sense, on a particular topic. You know, so so if you're considered an authority on something, whether it's world history or U.S. history or, or geography or whatever it is, um, then if, if you accept something that's out of that realm that you've been teaching, what does that say about what you've been teaching? It's, it sort of diminishes it in some way. Right. At least that's the way they view it. Um, and, and you have to remember, too, that education is a community where, you know, in, in universities, you, you only ascend through the hierarchy if, you know, if you don't go too far off topic. You know, right. And you, you stay within the accepted realm that everybody says, um, you know, everybody's kind of patting each other on the back and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the way it is. And if you go out of that um, encapsulation, uh, guess what? You, you don't end up in a good place you know you end up looking for a for a job somewhere and you don't get your full professorship and all that stuff that goes with that you know so it, it's really you know you really have to get out on the edge to be able to come out with stuff like that if you're gonna you're gonna have to be aware that you're probably gonna be um, asked shown the door exactly you know, in, terms of, in terms of your job you might have tenure so, you know but that's another whole thing too you might have tenure but they can take that away too that's oh yeah oh yeah they can they can decommission you so to speak uh, and that's part of the whole thing too but yeah. you know looking at it looking at it conversely what what a rich history we must have that we don't know about you know of of these great civilizations that existed and what what level of technology they had and and, and that we really don't really know much about the only thing we really have are the leftovers the you know the big stone structures and things that we can't really even duplicate today with our technology exactly so you know it's unfortunate that, that that mindset is the controlling mindset, but maybe that'll change. I'm I'm hoping, truthfully, that there really is some kind of disclosure coming out of Antarctica. And, and yeah. if you listen to the buzz from all these people who you know talk about this stuff, Dr. Michael Sala and Corey yeah. Good and, and David Wilcock, you know maybe there is something on its way. They're they're all saying that it is, but you know it hasn't gotten here yet. But if that does happen, what 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 a great channel that's going to be for enriching our our overall viewpoint of our of our history, you know, and our our history as a as a uh, as a race as a species. Yeah, I think that one of the um, issues that we have had for generations now is that um, why do we have why do we still have why are we still fighting over territory in the Middle East? Why is Israel such a big deal? How come people are willing to fight and die over a plot of land that people have possessed, they've built on, and they've torn down, and they built up and they torn down? Why this little tiny speck of land in the grand scheme of things here, just on planet Earth? If you can compare it to, if you can compare the globe, the entire globe to a football field, the disputed territory is really nothing more than um, um, a pack of matches, a book of matches laid flat, opened up and laid flat, um, comparatively speaking. And the thing is, is like somebody had said to me, who was um, once a, he was a theologian and he he left the seminary when he just had this um, epiphany. And and, uh, the reason why we fight 
fight over these stupid things is because we think that we are the end all and be all. We are the last. This is we're the first and the last of evolution. We think we are the best and the only that has ever existed. And we think that our side is right because there's never been there's no other sides. And we, we fail to realize that there is probably evidence out there that there have been other civilizations that thought exactly the same way we feel. And they're on the brink of we're on the brink of destroying ourselves just like they may have or they must have or they would still be here. And right. if you go back to the if you go back to the Indian uh, Marabarta, uh, you know, again, you had a, you had warring factions there. You know, now people put that as mythology. Fine. OK. Um, which they can do if they want to. But, you know, they they apparently were using nuclear weapons. You know, they got into a. They got into some kind of power struggle, and uh, you know it goes back to to Nick Redfern's book about the weapons of the gods that yeah, we talked about. Yeah. You know that there was this whole civilization that destroyed itself. Yeah, because you know over some kind of squabble. I don't know exactly. What it was two I think warring it was, families uh, over territory or something. Two, you know? two warring families mm-hmm. or one large royal family that was divided in two by some sort of spat, some kind of like akin to you know um, the battle over Troy. You know everybody's fighting over the. Mm-hmm love of Helena or Helen or whatever the hell her name was. It has a, it probably has something as simple as that. Um, and it was, um, and it, this is like, I think this is our second or third t- show that we've been talking about Antarctica. And the thing is, is that it's, for me, it's like we look at the fact that Nazis first, they went down to Antarctica. Uh, there's a Nazi expedition. One of the first German expedition, expeditions was at the turn of the century um, in, the, in the early 1900s. And there was another Another expedition and people came back and then a, a, a switch was flipped and the thing and the Nazis started to, like to build things that were sort of like sort of kind of like out of the blue like like the jet powered flying wing you know um, and the, the, the their flying bells or the Spiegels whatever you call them and and one of the things that we wanted to talk about and I'm not sure if we're going to have enough time we can save this for later or we can touch just touch upon this right now it was the whole notion of food fighters, whereas mm-hmm. allied mm-hmm. pilots said that they saw these flying objects that defied modern aviation at the time. And in my research, I I, I had discovered the German pilots had the same thing because they, they saw what they, uh, they obviously didn't call them Foo Fighters, but they saw these strange flying they, they, objects and, and they, they call they, them their, their food and fighters. The food and, <laughs> and the thing, the food and fighters. And, and the thing is, is that they thought that we had developed some advanced technology that was going to win the war. Um, spoiler alerts, we did, but not with that. Um, so the, well, I heard, I heard a guy, um, trying to think who it was now, um, was talking about the Foo Fighters and, and he said that there was some thinking that they were actually developed as um, devices to disrupt the um, allied navigational right. devices because um, get, going back to what um, um, you know people have said about UFOs disrupting electrical systems of cars and things like that, there's something about anti-gravity technology yep. that, that has a negative impact on electrical systems and um, um, that's why people say their car won't start and all their, you know, their lights blink on and off and that kind of stuff right. when they're in the presence of that field. So there's some kind of a field that's given off um, that creates that effect on on electrical systems. So um, what he was saying was that he believed that the Nazis developed it to, you know, kind of as a last resort to throw the Allied bombers out of yeah. whack. And, and actually, some of them did have to did lose their directional systems and had to return to where they had come from. So. A lot of that had happened, yeah, quite often. Yeah, so that's, that's one theory on it. But if the 
the German pilots were experiencing the same thing. Maybe they just, um, maybe it was something else. You know, maybe yeah. it was, I mean, there's the, another school of thought is that they were, you know, it was alien technology, that they were just kind of intervening in the whole the whole war uh, scenario. Right. You know, I don't know. It's hard to say. But I kind of like the idea of them using that um, anti-gravity technology to to throw off the, yeah. you know, the allied bombers. But hard to say. It's, it's, a, fun, it's a fun idea, thinking that they had sort of like I'd said, you know, they're playing with anti-gravity. It's a fun idea yeah. to think about these. It's like it's a perfect combination of science fiction and World War II history. It's a wonderful idea. Um, well, there's, there's a guy, um, interesting uh, guy. He's again, he's a, he's a university professor. He's Bulgarian. Um, I think I sent you a, a clip about him. I yeah. think uh, his name is Vladimir Terzinski. Terzinski. Yeah. Uh, he claims that um, the Nazis actually had developed um, the beginnings of a space program yeah. using this this technology um, toward the end of the war, and that they actually had gotten to the moon. Uh, a lot of there's a lot of questions regarding that whether or not the Nazis they actually had, did. They had you know started working on a base there. <laughs> Which which was seen by um, our astronauts, but not you know they didn't report on it or they couldn't report on it or whatever. Oh, we, and we've uh, we've talked about this in other shows where there are strange artifacts up there on the moon. Right, their or- origins sort of are very questionable. We're not really sure where they came from, but it could. Hey, I mean the thing is is that it's like if the Nazis had actually found like an ancient civilization living on um, or, or or living in Antarctica, what's to say that they could not have used that technology to go to the moon i mean who knows it's crazy and i know it sounds crazy i I know it sounds nuts and but that's not the point the point is is that there's i think a lot of people are sort of like saying there's a lot of things about the end of world war ii that doesn't make sense like like we found this like this treasure trove of advanced technology that they were they were working on and it, it seems like it seemed like it was a quantum leap like dozens or generations ahead of what we had at the time and then right at right after world war ii you know and with you know, through Operation Paperclip and and uh, um, the the um, I think it's 32 AU or 23 AU um, the the the, um, the British version of Operation Paperclip. They had you know a program where they were they were picking up Nazi technology and they were utilizing it for their own good. The Soviets so, did the same. So were thing. the Russians. The Russians. The Russians were doing the Russians same. Russians had things. their own version of that. And I, I think I think we got the we got the best of the best of <clears throat> the German scientists, but the Russians got quite a few. Too, and they were they were they were sort of in competition with each other. Yeah, that's how the Russians got the uh, Sputnik and, and all that stuff going. Yeah, and um, so it's I mean it's 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 crazy. I think it's I think it, that it's it's a question that we're never going to be able to answer on on this podcast. We're not going to be able to answer like what is really going on in Antarctica without us actually going there. And if I don't show up for for an episode, Walt, I'm at, <laughs> I'll, know, I'll know where you are. Yeah. So one uh, no, you're, I'm no you're down there with Newt hanging, <laughs> hanging around <clears throat> kayaking through the underground uh, channel, water channels under yeah. Antarctica with Newt I think Newt would have to have a fairly large kayak. Actually, he's lost a lot of weight. He has shed a ton of weight. So maybe maybe his trip to Antarctica did it. Maybe you know, he maybe got into some kind of a pre-Adamite diet regime or something. Maybe, maybe. Um, I, there's one thing I did. I wanted to sort of end the show on, unless you have something else that you wanted to share. No, I think I've, I've pretty much covered everything I wanted to get to today. Art Bell. I wanted to talk about Art Bell for for just a little bit because we lost Art Bell about. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
two weeks ago um when this thing finally airs on the internet um i was really i was really struck by by the passing of art bell and um everybody that i've spoken to they all have stories about how they were driving in the middle of the night listening to art bell and they heard something that actually turned their world upside down and well, he, was a, he was definitely a pioneer in in this field i mean he opened the door for what we're doing exactly basically. exactly um and i i remember and i've talked about this before there was, was like he was like the jackie robinson of the uh, paranormal yeah field, the paranormal broadcasting anyway exactly <clears throat> the question because um one of the things i wanted to ask you and i think you've already answered it is like what, what did he do for broadcasting what did he do in the realm of paranormal um and he did he opened the door he actually started this dialogue he actually started well, he, he he proved too that i think that there's a lot of people out there that are looking for answers to things that the, you know the mainstream media doesn't <clears throat> doesn't provide and and you know he had a huge huge following i mean yeah um and he he developed it over what i think he was on for like 15 years or something he was on yeah he yeah i mean he started out in mainstream radio he didn't he didn't start out talking about paranormal stuff he was just like talk radio i think and it's sort of i think he started getting guests yeah that would start talking about this kind of stuff and um you know i think it just it just kind of morphed into what it became coast to coast you know which, which show and it's on it you know it's on in the middle of the night yeah um so you know for people to to listen to that at that time frame shows you that there's a lot of people out there that you know want to know about these kind of topics and he he didn't he let people talk he just you know as crazy as it might have sounded he just let them go you know yeah he didn't, he didn't diminish anybody mm-hmm. i saw a funny picture of him with a on the he was obviously on the radio and he had a tinfoil hat on <laughs> yeah. that was obviously a joke you know, so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but no i think he was a pioneer i think every i think we owe a lot to him as a forerunner for for this kind of information you know getting this kind of stuff out there and some of it's you know some of the stuff we talk about probably people listen to it and say oh, it's crazy you know but okay let's, you can think that if you want that's fine but some of it is not so crazy and some of it that seems crazy now 20 years from now and it may not be so crazy you know so yeah no, it just it just depends. Um, do you do you know what he died from? I have not found any information that I I um I I don't know. I I don't well, know what I, he died. Of from. Of course, there's a lot of conspiracy theories that he was taken out and that kind of thing. I guess he had a he had a show on uh, Sirius Radio. Yeah, it was called Dark Matter. Yes, he had some issues. I don't I don't think he was probably the easiest guy to get along with. Um, no. So I, I do have a little conjecture on his cause of death, though. I, I know he married a 22 year old. Filipino woman when he was 60. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I know he di- I know he did get married. I So, um, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I am sure he wouldn't have minded the joke. No, no. And the thing is, is that I, I I didn't um I know that I've said this before. He was actually a ham radio buddy with my dad. Yeah. My dad he they would occasionally go on the the radio and I was awestruck. I I I could like, "Oh my god, He's like on the on the ham radio talking to Art Bell, um, and this is this is during the, this is during the time when my my dad just up and disappeared for for you know a couple of years. My dad used to be gone for like years at a time, and when he would come back, it was like it was nothing. Maybe Art told him about his Filipino wife, and <laughs> he took off. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's possible. Any, anything, anything's possible. But I just, I think to myself because, um, uh, and I, 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 and I'm not, I'm not, al- I'm not allowed to say anything about about this this person in particular. But he was, um, he was a rider of mine, and um, and this guy got in the car and he said, "I know, I know, I look exactly like it's because I am." And I was just awestruck by this guy. And uh, and we're not supposed to talk about our passengers, but I, mm. if you know, and the thing is, is that and he was talking to me about how he's it now. He's the guy. He is the top man in his field. He's the guy that everybody goes to when when they talk about things like mysterious phenomenon, like, you know, like what's going on in the space program or what's going on in astronomy. And, and, uh, you know, and we're, and I, I, I drove him, you know, from, um, you know, where his pickup to his destination. And he was a couple of minutes early and we were just sitting there and we were, and, and, and we were talking about like, you know, getting kids hooked on science. How do you get kids interested in science in these days? And it's like, how do you, how do you cut through the noise? And then, and I told them about my kids and their love for science. And he's like, well, how do you, how did you do it? How did you do it? And, uh, I said, we got rid of cable. <laughs> we, yeah, we got rid of cable. It. We got, and we're very selective about the video games that they play. And yeah, we have to be these days. Just all kinds of junk out there. But the thing is, and it was just like, and, and then a couple of days later, Art Bell passed away and it was just like I used to like Art Bell was the guy everybody mm-hmm. wanted you know and it was just like he, he was the king he was a king of the hill in the realm of the paranormal and and now who's the king of the hill in the in 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 uh, the paranormal podcasting right now and there are there are a lot of uh, really good podcasters talking about the paranormal and it was and I, I know though Art Bell's been out of out of the business for a while but um I think it's I think that it was just like it's a lot easier to get to the top of the hill now because I mean the giant is gone. Well, and and anybody I don't want to say anybody but you know it's much easier to do a podcast than it was way back when we only had radio. Yeah. You know you had to get sponsors and, and all that stuff, you know, you can you can do a podcast with just a couple microphones and a, and a soundboard now. Yeah. That's kind of what we do, but That's exactly that what we're doing now. That doesn't diminish it in any way, but it's just it's just a little easier now I think to, to get your get your stuff out there. Yeah. You know, than it was. So. Okay, Eric, I guess we should wrap up, huh? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's been a great show. It's always been great having um, uh, Jim coming back at us. So the thing is, is that for the listeners, we threw a lot of information up at you. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we are going to do is, and we're doing this right now, and it's up now. It's been up since April 26th at um, one o'clock in the afternoon. And the question is, what do you think is going on in Antarctica? And, you know, share with us your your uh, your thoughts and opinions. Why do why all the mystery about Antarctica um, and and why all the secret covert trips to Antarctica? We want to know, what, what do you think? I agree. All right. I think I, I'm hoping that it's going to be the window into opening up some of this knowledge about ancient civilizations and and the pre, pre-Adamic civilization yeah. that um, we don't really know anything about. Just go to facebook.com slash groups slash the metaphysical connection and just enter your answer right there. If you're not a member of our group go ahead join right now we'd love to be able to have you we've gotten uh, some new members recently we've got a lot of new members too yeah. so just come and join us and um so the word is spreading the word is spreading the metaphysical connection yeah 
And, and um, we have a we have a return guest um, next show. Uh, it's going to be the first week of May. Uh, Walter Bosley's coming back for a return visit. Yeah, and he's going to be talking about um, I think some more about the Sonora Aero Club, the Empire of the Wheel, and also I think some info on uh, more info on Antarctica if he has anything new. So yeah, it's all exciting should stuff. Be, should be good. Yeah. We also have some more guests coming up. Um, we do. That's going to fill out the the. We have guests lined up. I think for at least maybe the next three months. So it's pretty exciting stuff. Especially yeah, we've some good, good lineup of people. Yeah. Oh, and hey, one one more thing. Um, uh, turn your turn a friend on to the Metaphysical Connection. Um, share this podcast with a friend. And um, with uh, with every friend that you turn on to our podcast, um, you get another friend turned on to the podcast. But definitely tell tell this, tell tell your and, friends and your family. And after all, who, who doesn't have, who doesn't need more friends, right? Exactly. Turn them on to and and let us um, let us know. Let us know what you think, and l- let us know what they think after um, they enjoy their first episode of the Metaphysical Connection. And we'd love to hear from you. We're coming up on a hundred, aren't we? We're getting we're pushing a hundred. We're, we're getting there. Aren't we? We're getting there. We're we're yeah. like we're like the we're like getting we're right there. around we're right around eighty now, aren't we? We we are we are well well into our seventies. Now we're getting into our early eighties. Mm-hmm. So we're getting there, and uh, it's that's I'm telling yeah, it's a big land market to be able to do 100 shows. It is. It is. So, all right, Walt, I'm going to talk to you later here and okay. um and uh yeah, another great episode. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. That's also a great way to get in touch with Walt, Jim, and Eric, and let us know what you think of the podcast, as well as topic suggestions for a future show. If we use your suggestion, we'll send you a t-shirt or coffee mug. Just send along your size and preference with your email. You can be a part of the metaphysical connection between shows by joining us on our social media accounts. You can find us on Facebook by going to our metaphysical connection group and following us on Twitter at physics laxative. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes and other exclusives. Want some Metaphysical Connection swag of your own? Get your own damn Metaphysical Connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them. Yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. So for Walt, Jim, and Eric, this is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on. <laughs>